Time for the morning panel, joined today by Ryan Goss, Director of Operations for MP Peter Fragascados, and Nathan Crancy, a political consultant. Uh, thanks to you both uh, for joining today. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having us, Kevin. So um, I, I want to take some, we're close to, you know, Canada today, and I wanted to have some more kind of like big picture kind of views of how we feel about things locally and, and you know, more nationally. We'll start local because I, when I book these, I don't necessarily book it this way. However, it just so happened we had a vote on the London Police Services Board this week, which has been uh, going on for months, uh, to which uh, Ryan Goss uh, was just uh, voted. And we were, you know, I, I said it Congratulations, yesterday. Ryan, yes. first of all. Yes. Th- thank you. <laughs> I said it uh, yesterday. Uh, I said it off. I mean, like, we could have done this in March, you know. What's the like? The, so my criticism yesterday was not of the choice or the selection, but the process of how we got there because we could have done this in March. Uh, we've since, over the course of that time, hired a police chief and a deputy chief. Uh, two pretty big decisions. They were able to do it, but still, you want to have like a full police board for this. So, what does the six-month saga tell us about London City Council? If anything, how would we grade? Uh, their first six months on the job. Well, if I could start to this, first of all, and I said it uh, earlier, Ryan, congratulations. I think that it's nice to have this, you know, behind us and that you can look forward to what you want to accomplish on the police service board. So congratulations. But if I could just take one step back, for those of us who follow City Hall on a daily basis for either our work or who are crazy enough just to do it. um, For fun? Just for fun. You know, all the fun that's there. I would say that at least for the first six months of this term, this issue, while it may not be the most important one on everybody's minds, certainly is defining the way things are going and the way um, council has gone for the first six months. So just to paint the picture, and I'll do this as brief as possible. Back in November, the day after they were sworn in, city council was sworn in, they decided at an 8-7 vote with a whole bunch of other votes to um, appoint people to boards agencies and uh, um, commissions, they decided 8-7 vote to appoint Susan Toth, reappoint her to the board. That was an 8-7 vote that frankly didn't have to happen because the guy who got seven votes, Paul Pilato, was told that he was going to get eight votes by the mayor and it didn't happen. So he would have rescinded his name, I'll tell you that right now, had the mayor just called him and said, hey, I'm going to vote for Susan Toth. Now, so we went through a whole drama there and that was a, a whole circumstance. Within 60 days of a four-year term, Susan Toth, who was on the mayor's campaign team, by the way, resigned. A four-year term appointment, resigned. And not only did she resign, she didn't thank anybody for the, the approach. She dictated and told council how they were supposed to refill her position. And that's fine. That's her prerogative. But it was it's not necessarily council's prerogative to take her advice. Then they decided to vote for our good friend to my left, always to my political left, Ryan Goss, uh, to fill the spot on the police service board. Then what happened? There was media attention. Of course, there was allegations of, uh, of course, the the diversity question. There was uh, allegations of political patronage, which, of course, didn't exist when Susan got the the appointment um, for some reason, of course. And what happened? Well, all of a sudden. We have to change our vote. At the last minute at council, we change the process. New rules. New rules for the process because it's not the desired result. So, again, you're getting frustration over and over again. We can't just make a decision. We cannot uh, you know, bear the heat of the decision. And we have a new process. So we go to interviews. We choose the people who are being interviewed. We go through the interviews. 
And what happens? A couple of the votes that voted for Ryan initially left, most of the people that stayed, and two new people, two people that were quite outspoken at the beginning of the process that Ryan should not be on the board, changed their vote to Ryan. So, I mean, if that doesn't indicate that you must have done well in the uh, in the interviews, I'm not sure what does. But here we are. It was at council. There was a decision made. I'm just so happy it wasn't at a committee meeting this time, and it was at council so they can't reassess it no matter what. And everybody's kind of gone quiet, and everybody who was throwing tomatoes at the beginning of this whole thing is quiet. This is one thing. This is one appointment to the police services board. But if you can't get the small things right and we can't do this without this type of drama, how can we expect it? How can the public and and the community be expected to trust on the bigger issues like some of the other things that they're trying to uh, um, empower themselves to define their tenure on council? Like, for example, this uh, health and homelessness initiative. You can imagine why this there's some skepticism. You know, they can't get something small like this right. And I mean, we can all understand that in our community. Why would you trust, you know, the guy to redo your entire home uh, and renovate your entire home if, you know, the drywall he put up a year ago didn't work out so well? I yeah. mean, this is, I think, the indication. It was one small piece, but it tells a really interesting story. And, um, you know, I, I hesitate to criticize or or even judge council as a whole. We'll talk about councillors individually and the mayor individually. Um, but this is definitely something where there's been perhaps trouble where they did not expect it at the beginning. And a lot of these things should have been foreseen, you know, months ago, as we said. Right. Well, obviously it's an, uh, an awkward uh, yes. conversation for me to have. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm honored and I'm humbled that, uh, uh, council has now decided a second time to appoint me to the police services board, and and, and I look forward to getting to work and uh, uh, doing the important work. Like, this is important, um, very, very, very important uh, position. It is an important board for an incredibly important organization in our community. I think the fact that it was vacant for so long is a serious problem. Um, and again, you've heard me say with you, Devin, on, on your show and on other shows uh, uh, in the city that for me, the the process was the problem, right? I think they, I think they have to really look at the appointment process in London to make sure that this doesn't happen again. To Nathan's point, um, like it, it it was it was really this the ball was really fumbled, and and I think that it should have been seen that way. I think that they should be evaluating all the. They should be valuing how they appoint to all the different boards and commissions. And I think that, you know, interviews going forward probably would be a good idea. I will say that um, I respect council's um, ability to change the process. Uh, it's their dem- They were democratically elected. It's their right to do so. Um, I stuck it through and went through the process. I learned a lot through the second process as well. Uh, the interview process was a, a very unique opportunity and obviously – a lot of people went in with open minds. We had councillors swing their their votes. Um, you know, Councillor Peloza came over my way. Um, very grateful for that support. I, if I'm being honest, I was surprised that, that Councillor Peloza voted for me. I'm, I'm very thankful. And I think that obviously I spoke to concerns that she had and priorities that she had in my interview. So it gave the opportunity for the five candidates that were that were down selected from the 54 that applied the opportunity to show a different side of themselves. So at the end of the day I'm glad this process is over. There we've spoken on your show before there was a lot of bad parts of this process. There was a lot of unfair parts of this process with the personal attacks that came out and uh, you know now it's 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 time to move forward. But I will say that I think Nathan is very accurate in his assessment that if it's issues like these that and, – and 
I really want to say what Nathan said there. I don't want all of council to 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 take the brunt of this. They do just because, you know, it's a body that, that makes the vote. But really, there were some councillors who were very clear on what their direction was, whether it was for me or not. They, they were very, very clear. So it, it, I don't think everyone should have to wear this the same way. Uh, but I, I, I will say that if you can't get these smaller decisions right – people start to lose faith that you're going to get the bigger decision right. It's, it's kind of like death by a thousand cuts, right? And and I I really have – I've been concerned of the, the first six, seven months of council and um, whether or not the, there's going to be the – kind of that unifying tone around some of the major issues that the, this community has, such as homelessness, mental health, and addiction. How are they going to address those bigger problems? And – I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get to a consensus in a productive way, but I guess time will tell. We need to take a break. When we come back, we'll have more of the morning panel. This is The Morning Show with Devin Peacock on 980 CFPL. We continue on with The Morning Panel, joined today by Nathan Crancy and Ryan Goss. This could be kind of political, but it doesn't have to necessarily be. Uh, Saturday is Canada Day, and I'm just curious as we look ahead to celebrating our nation's birthday like what the mood of the country is right now there's a poll out that came out after i asked this question to you guys from leger talking about canadians pride and nationality and it's kind of partisan which i guess you can see but uh, so 97 percent of liberals say they're very proud or somewhat proud to be canadian 76 percent who intend to vote conservative uh, would say the same so still everyone's pretty proud to be canadian as we should um I'm proud to be Canadian, and I don't have a political affiliation. But uh, how would you say Canadians are feeling? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it somewhere in between? Uh, Ryan, we'll start with you this time. Yeah, so obviously, you know, I, I kind of have a good sample size on that for my day job working for a member of parliament. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that everyone's happy with everything. There's No, there's definitely a sense of – I want to – I don't want to say unhappiness, but I'd say more nervousness is, I think, a better a better description. And there's people that are are on edge. And I think if we take a step back and look, we're coming out of a pandemic that was once in a generation absolutely game changing on so many different levels for people's social lives, to their bank accounts, to their jobs, uh, to how they communicate with other individuals, to you know, do they work from home? So it it really was. It really kind of uh, overturned the apple cart, so to speak. And now we're coming out and we're seeing big challenges like inflation, home home, home prices, climate change. We have wildfires. Like every time you turn on the news, it's not exactly uh, sunshine, rainbows and lollipops, right? It, it's much more um, heavy and, uh, and that kind of that negativity is still there. So I can understand why people are on edge. Uh, I can understand that, sure, it's not, um, it's not maybe the best time right now, but... I'm going to say is that if I look and political affiliations aside, like if if I look at where I am in the world, there's no other place I'd rather be. I'm so proud to be Canadian. I've always been proud to be Canadian. And though Leger is a very good polling firm, like you'd see it flip the other way when Stephen Harper was the prime minister. Liberals would be saying the same thing. Conservatives would be saying it otherwise. So for me, I think that in, when, we're, when we're comparing to other countries around the world, we have it very, very good, and we should be very, um, we should be very happy that we are in the greatest country in the world. That said, we can also just blanket over some serious challenges that need to be addressed, and how those challenges are addressed is, is the debate that you'll see in the political arena. So that's my initial thoughts on it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that when you look at a poll like the one that was just quoted, 
there's always going to be a subsection. So if you're going to break it down on partisan lines, there's going to be a subsection of those people who do not identify with the current government um, who associate that misidentification with their nationality or with their citizenship, which is a mistake. And that's why you see this. It would be about one in four or one in five uh, conservatives saying that. But I believe those people would not necessarily stand um, against, you know, the fundamental values as they would articulate yeah. uh, of Canadian. They would say, no, those are good. It's just I don't see that represented in government. So it's kind of they're answering a different question, if that makes sense. Um, but that would be my guess. Um, but I think regardless, I think the word that we're searching for, in my opinion, is demoralized. I think there are a section of people, uh, especially those working class and perhaps below, who are feeling a little bit demoralized, who are seeing and, – and younger, I would also say, who are seeing, as you're pointing out, some of the issues that are popping up and um, whether it's real or whether it's not or whether it's uh, accurate or you know a little bit too much. Some of these issues are said to be existential in nature and there are, they've been convinced that they are never – home prices are so high. I'm never going to be able to afford a home. Why would I even try to do so, et cetera? Um, you know, climate change is going to, you know, kill me and my kids. Why do we even care? It's a demoralization and it's not – people I think in many respects are – need to rediscover a purpose in what they're, what they're doing. And I agree wholeheartedly. I just can't see I, – I, I don't know who I would call today who would tell me I'm not proud to be Canadian. I know who I would call <laughs> that would probably answer it, to that poll as such. Yeah. But, you know, I think that there's a lot of things that we can do to rediscover the pride in our nation, in our country, in our citizenship. I think it starts at ho- with housing, right? Because if you feel you can't, like it's it's not just Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, where you always expect to be expensive. It's everywhere. Like even like the rural areas are starting to get more expensive. And if people feel... Like your home is your castle and you can't find your castle, I think that kind of affects how you just kind of feel about things. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, people people are looking for hope, right? Um, And it's, to Nathan's point, I would agree that certain for certain things, it it is demoralizing, housing being one. Frankly, if we look around and we're truly honest, like three people sitting in this room, we're in the middle class, you know, we, we do well for ourselves. But we've talked before, all three of us, on how it's harder to make ends meet. So, you know, people who are, you know, slightly below where we would be um, and even people who are above, it's a lot tougher, uh, you know, to, to get by, to, to kind of bring bring everything together and make sure that you have some some leftover at the uh, at, uh, at the end of the month. So put yourself in a situation of, you know, a 19 to 25 year old who's, you know, coming out of school, who's finishing up, who's been promised all these things. And then they look around and all they see is I'm never going to be able to afford a home. Mm. Sky high rent prices. I go to the grocery store, things are more expensive. Um, again, these are many of, not all, but some of these things are temporary. And we're, we're going to see ebbs and flows and we're going to get relief. But still, it, 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 I, I will say that I was wondering when Nathan said it, if maybe demoralizing was too strong of a word. But it's fair. Like when you look at uh, some of these things, it is demoralizing when you go in and try to buy a um, a um, watermelon. And it used to be like 99 <laughs> cents. It was like seven bucks the other day, right? So, yeah, th- th- that can be demoralizing, especially when you're starting out. So I think, Devin, you're, you're bang on. I think when it comes to stuff like housing, food prices, things that, you know, people have kind of it, – it's the foundation and and. If we can help give some support there, if we can find ways to really, you know, 
to give people a hand up in those areas. I think then that that demoralized feeling, the the maybe the the lack of pride or frankly the fear that some people feel, I, I think yeah. we'll see that dissipate. Real quick, I, thirty seconds. I've told this story before, very briefly. My grandfather, when he, we're again, we're both uh, children of immigrants here, or grandchildren of immigrants. When my grandfather got here in the sixties from Italy. First thing he did was put up a 25-foot flagpole on the corner of Grand Colburn and flew a Canadian flag because he was so proud to be Canadian. And I was reminded of that uh, a couple weeks ago when I went to go get my hair cut. My buddy at uh, Ivan's Barbershop on Warncliffe um, named Hanna, John, a Syrian Christian immigrant, and he was so excited to tell me that he was going to Toronto this weekend with his little nieces and nephews to show them kind of the country, to show them some of the more beautiful things. And it was like the most, the happiest I'd seen him just tell me this story. And I was having a rough day that really had no business being a rough day, one of those days. And, you know, just hearing those kinds of things, it's like those, that makes me proud to be Canadian, that that guy is also Canadian or aspires to be. And I think that when we have, when we're talking about demoralization or some of these issues that people would reflect in a place that um, uh, you know, Really, what we're talking about is some. It it's not reflected with everybody, and I think that that we really need to. I, I think we need to embrace our nation and our citizenship, and, and be proud of that. We're still and lucky to be Canadian, and absolutely, and happy Canada Day to everyone this weekend. Happy Canada Day. We need to end. We'll come back with uh, the final hour of the morning show. Thanks to you both for coming in. This is the morning show with Devin Peacock on nine eighty CFPL.